Well, howdy, Faith Church. I am so glad to be back with you. If you have been around Faith Church at all, you know that I've been away on sabbatical over the last three months, but maybe you're newer here, and you're like, who's this guy? Well, my name is Joe, and I'm the lead pastor of Faith Church, and this congregation has graciously given me the past three months to have a sabbatical to rest and recharge, and I don't take that for granted. The gift that it has been to me from God through your generosity, thank you, Faith Church, for the gift of this rest. And I wanna stop and thank the staff of Faith Church because these individuals have worked for God over these past seven months. For you, at work, things have been difficult, right? In the middle of a pandemic, here as a ministry team, it's also difficult to figure out how to do life and ministry in a pandemic. These individuals who serve on staff at Faith Church serve because they love God and they love you. And so if you see a staff member around Faith Church, send them a note, say hello, thank them for what they do. I know they'll appreciate that. And I also want to take a moment to thank the elders. The elders of Faith Church are kind of like the board of directors. They're my direct supervisors. And over the last 11 years, it has been a privilege to work with these men who pray and seek God's direction for Faith Church. And they have urged me over a number of years to take a break, not for any particular reason, just for my long-term health as a leader. And I just want to thank them in front of you for the gift that they gave me in a sabbatical. So when I left at the end of June, our country and world was in the middle of a very difficult and challenging season. And now when I return in October, guess what? Um, we happen to be in the middle of a very difficult and challenging season, and it's hard. It's hard to discern what it looks like to be a Christ follower in the middle of a wacky time. And so I have really appreciated Pastor Brad bringing us back to Genesis to look at why we were made, to go back to sort of foundational truths to understand why is it that we're here on planet Earth. And what we learn in Genesis is that we were made to shine, to display the glory of God in everything we do. We reflect his image that we were made to work. Each one of us has a purpose on this planet. We have an assignment from God that we're supposed to work out and that each one of us was designed by God to rest, to find our ultimate rest and peace and satisfaction in Jesus Christ. And if there were ever a time that we needed to learn these basics to go back to some of the simplest truths of the Bible, it's now, these are challenging times, and foundational truth is really what anchors us and helps us in these times. So here's what we're going to do today, a little bit different than normal. What I want to share is what God has been doing in my life over the last three months that we were apart, and connected to some of the truths that we've learned together in Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 1, and we're going to be reviewing verse 26, 27, 28. Next week, we'll jump into Genesis 2 again and go to the deep end of the pool. But for now, let's just review, and I just want to share with you a little bit of my heart, okay? Here we go. So I've been working as long as I can remember. When I was nine years old, I got a paper out. 
You know those pieces of paper that get put in mailboxes? Some of you may have forgot about that, but I worked a paper out, and I saved up money till I was 11 to buy a lawnmower, Sears Craftsman. Started cutting lawns at age 11. When I was 13, I started to work on a farm, an apple and peach orchard, corn and tomatoes. When I was 17, I started working for a commercial landscaper. When I was 20, I started working part-time at a church. When I was 23, I started working full-time at a church. And ever since then, as long as I can remember, I've been working until I got a sabbatical. And I'm like, sabbatical? Like, who gets a sabbatical? Who gets to stop working? Do I need to stop working? Should I start working, stop working? And what am I going to do for three months? And yet it was really clear to me through a number of circumstances that it was time for me to sort of hit the pause on work to rest and to recharge. Didn't really know what I was going to do. So I started to plan, because that's what you do, right? And I thought, well, with this extended period of time away from work, our family, we've never seen the national parks, so, so let's go see the national parks. And we started to make our plans in March to go out west and see the parks, and then COVID hit. So uh, things didn't go as I planned. There was no extensive travel on this sabbatical. And I have three sons, one of whom was graduating from high school in 2020. And you know, you have your plan of what graduation looks like, and because of a pandemic, our plan didn't happen the way we thought it would go. Graduation looked very different. And he was supposed to go off to college this fall, but he's virtual, and he didn't go off to college, so we didn't have that transition as a family, sending him into a new season of life. And two other sons, now three sons at home learning online. Not what we planned, not way I thought August and September of a sabbatical would go. It wasn't my plan. So if I couldn't travel, I thought, well, probably should do some work around the house, right? That's what we've all been doing during a pandemic. And I decided that we would renovate our basement. Ooh. So we live in this older home in Emmaus, and we have that nasty 70s paneling in our basement and a really old, water-stained, gross, moldy, drop ceiling. And so my youngest son and I decided, well, why don't we reno the basement? And so we demoed everything, and we had to do a bunch of electrical work and a bunch of plumbing and got to do that with my son. It was really fun. But then something happened. Within a 24-hour period of time, both my mom and my dad landed in the hospital. Not because of COVID, but other health-related issues. So I had to leave my renovation plan, my renovation project midstream, leave all of that and drive to Virginia to partner with my brother to take care of my parents. Not what I planned. My mom got better, came out of the hospital, but my dad was still weak and we wound up having to put him in a rehabilitation center. Then my mom landed back in the hospital and my dad landed back in the hospital. Then we had to find long-term care for my dad. And now my dad is on hospice. None of that is what I planned. None of that's what I wanted, what I would ever want for my parents, what I would ever want to do 
on my sabbatical, to, ex to spend extended time away from my immediate family taking care of my parents. I mean, this isn't what you plan. This isn't what you want. But it's what took place. One of my plans on sabbatical is that I wanted to hear from God. I wanted to hear from God with clarity what he wanted of me, what he wanted for Faith Church, what this next chapter of life would look like. I thought, away from the daily grind, I would have space to read and to pray, and to plan and to think about the future, for God to give me a clear path. And so I read my Bible all the time, and I talked to God all the time, and I prayed for Faith Church, and I prayed for some of you who gave me specific prayer requests this summer that I could take with me on sabbatical, and I prayed for you, and I was hoping, I wanted so desperately to hear something clear from God, but guess what? I didn't. I thought I was going to have some mountaintop experience where I'd have an intimate, surprising, wonderful moment with God, but it never happened. Actually, found myself more in a valley in a dark place than I did on any mountain. You see, I struggled with the thoughts of my parents and longing for them to be healthy and better and not wanting them to go through difficulty and suffering and pain. And yet, they did, and they are. It's not what I wanted. It's dark, it's difficult. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about as your parents age. But I also had other dark moments inside myself, in the spaces that no one could see. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, at the pinnacle of creation, God creates this and he creates that, he creates this and he creates that, and he gets to the end, Genesis 1.26, and he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Remember, he made us, we're so unique and so valuable, so beautiful, so wonderfully made. You're knit together in your mother's womb and you have a purpose to reflect and to shine the glory of God, so that when you look in the mirror, you see the goodness and glory of God, and you were designed to represent him, that goodness and that glory, to the rest of the world, so that the world who can't see the invisible God can see his children walking out and representing him day by day. You know, when you look in the mirror, you're supposed to see the goodness of God. But this summer when I looked in the mirror, I saw only brokenness. When I looked in the mirror this summer, when I had quiet, when I had time away, when there was silence and there was no work to do, no busyness, instead of seeing the glory of God in the mirror, I saw all the ways I fall short. Man, there were dark moments where I'm like, I'm the worst husband in the world. There couldn't be a worse dad. I've messed up my sons so much. And pastor, leader, rehearsed 11 years of failure 
11 years of ways I've fallen short and messed up and other guys, other leaders are so much better than me. When I looked in the mirror this summer, all I saw was my sin and my brokenness. And you know what? When you see that, you have a choice. You have a choice to look at it, see it for what it is, repent if there are sin that's been in your life and if there's ways you've fallen short that are legitimate, you have an opportunity to do something about it or to look away. And that's never what you plan. You never want to look in the mirror and see just your brokenness and your failures. But presented with that reality this summer, I had a choice to repent and say, God, I'm sorry for how I failed as a husband. God, I'm sorry of how I failed as a Father, I'm sorry about how I failed as a pastor, as a leader, as a person. God, would your Holy Spirit help me, forgive me, and equip me to be the man you want me to be? But you don't plan that, and you don't want that, and nobody goes, well, I'm gonna take three months off to look at my sin. Like, no. I wonder for you today, when was the last time you looked in the mirror? When was the last time you stopped long enough and looked hard enough to see who you really are. Yes, to see the beauty of who you are, the glory, the gifts, the strengths, the abilities. When was the last time you stopped to see, yeah, the brokenness, to look at the story of your life, the ways you've been hurt and failed, to look at that in light of the glory of Christ and see that you are who you are, not in spite of your story, but because of your story, and that God's gonna bring beauty out of that story. When was the last time you stopped long enough to look at yourself? Maybe to look at your sin, the shortcomings, the failures. And instead of looking away, no, not me, no, I'm better than that, no, I, no, no more excuses. When was the last time, Christ follower, you looked at yourself in the mirror and saw your sin and said to your God, I'm sorry? Because when you stop and you look, what you'll find is God is forgiving and God will forgive and help you and restore you if you're willing to recognize who you are, with all the pluses and the minuses. There were other dark moments, moments I didn't plan or even want. So after God creates humanity, Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He says, be fruitful, fill the earth subdue it, rule over it, all actions, verbs, purpose. God has placed each one of us here for a purpose, to work. Our lives matter. They count. There's a reason we're here. Each one of us has a kingdom assignment. I always thought my kingdom assignment was to be a landscaper. I mean, I went to school to be a landscape architect. I wanted to get my degree in landscaping so that I could love God and love people by being simple and quiet and living kind of privately and making things beautiful. That was my plan, but one day I got a phone call from God. Okay, it, like, it wasn't really a phone call. 
But the best way I can describe my journey in ministry is that I got a phone call from God. One day in my 20s, it was like, hello, hi, Joe, this is God. Like, what? Like, you're calling me? Yeah, uh, I have an assignment for you. Okay, God, what is it? I want you to be a youth pastor. What? Like, I'm a landscaper. I work with my hands. No, I, I want you to be a youth pastor. Okay, when do I get to go back to being a landscaper? I'll call you back some other day. Okay, click, dial tone, and I'm like, all right, I, I guess I'm a landscaper. No, no, I'm really a pastor now. Like, what? Okay, I love teenagers and teach them the Bible. And one day, I hope God calls me back and frees me from that. And he did call me back one day. It wasn't the call I expected. He called me one day and was like, hey, Joe, I, I want you to be the lead pastor of Faith Church. What? I'm not qualified. I'm not educated. I'm not a good leader. I can't do that. When do I get to be a landscaper? I'll call you back another time. And so I became the lead pastor of Faith Church, and I was waiting and expecting at some point that he would call me back with a new assignment. And you know, to be honest, after 11 years of being the lead pastor of Faith Church, I thought maybe this sabbatical, I would get a phone call from God. But I didn't. I, I said, God, call me back and tell me what you want me to do. Is this what you want me to do? Do you have another assignment? Can I be a landscaper? And I got nothing. I said, God, would you please just affirm, reaffirm to me my calling, reaffirm to me that I'm a good husband, a good father. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is a leader. And guess what I got? Nothing. What do you do when you're seeking God and you hear nothing? Have you been there? I read my Bible every day. I talked to God every day. God, affirm my calling. Guide me. Show me my path. What is the purpose of Faith Church? Where are you calling us to go? Do you have another assignment for me? Silence. After doing that for a couple weeks, months, I said to my wife on a walk one day, I don't think I can go back. She's like, okay. A week later, I was like, I, I know for sure. I, I can't go back. And she's like, okay, why? I said, well, I've been asking God to affirm and reaffirm and give me clarity, and all I get is silence. So clearly, I don't hear from him anymore, and I should go back to landscaping. She's like, okay. A week later, I was like, I I'm definitely, I I'm not going back. She's like, okay, Joe, so did God tell you that? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, you said he was silent. Yeah. So if God tells us we need to move on, then let's move on. But if he's not, you're just being selfish. Like, thanks, dear. Like, really? I love this woman. Because she listens and listens over weeks and she prays and thinks and talks through things with me. And she said to me, Joe, just because things are silent doesn't mean we're supposed to change courses. He called you. This is your assignment. Get to work. Whoa, what a woman. So this summer, it's like I don't get to travel and see the national parks my kids are at home, online school, not what I planned. My parents are struggling medically. My dad is on hospice. I didn't hear from God. Like, what gives? What do I do? 
How do you get clarity? What happens next? Remember what Pastor Brad talked about last week? He said that after God created the world, God rested. Now, God didn't rest because he was tired and because he needed a break. That's not why God rested. He rested because things were complete, finished. It was done. He was satisfied, so he rested. And he made you and me to rest as individuals too, to find that we're created in the image of God, to shine his glory, we're to work with a purpose on this planet, and we're to find our rest in Christ. And Brad was super clear about this, that our greatest rest is found in Christ. And there was something about this summer for me where I wanted to travel. I wanted to redo my basement. I wanted things to go as normal with my kids. I wanted my parents to be healthy and back to normal. I wanted to hear from God in a certain way and a certain time. I had hoped all of these things would come true in a certain way, in a certain time. And it didn't happen. And in the end, I realized after two months, July and August, of doing all this stuff that I wanted to do, that maybe my rest was found in Christ. So I did something in September I've never done before. You ready? This will blow your mind. I went away for three days to a monastery and spent three days in total silence. Can you believe it? This guy not talking for three solid days? It's three days of silence. Never did anything like this before. My family thought I was nuts. It's like, I just need to do this. I need to be silent for three days. And I was silent for three days. And I went to this retreat center, and I was by myself, alone, And part of me hoped that in that silence, in that quiet, in that holy moment, that I would hear clearly from God in a whisper, in the silence. But guess what? Nothing profound happened there. And then nothing. But here's what I did. I rested in Jesus. Maybe that sounds corny. But I can see now what I needed most was to stop. Stop planning, stop expecting, stop moving, stop talking, stop solving, stop criticizing, stop watching. I just needed to stop and to rest and to realize God loves me. I mean, this is a news flash. You know, God loves Joe Hensler. I know, that's hard to believe. But he loves me, and sometimes he might like me. He loves me. And you know that you're resting when you realize this. This is the sort of aha moment. You're resting, you know that you're resting when you realize and you know and you sense and you feel and you're confident that God loves me. That's when you know. So this summer, I have moments at the end in September 
where I realized in new and profound, simple, beautiful ways that God really does love me. So I return from sabbatical with this. God loves me. That's the biggest sort of aha thing. He loves me. And how about you? Do you know that God loves you too? I mean, do you really know it? Do you just say it? Or do you actually believe and know that he really loves you? He loves you on your best days and he loves you on your worst days. When you succeed and when you fail. When you doubt and when you struggle. When you succeed, when things are going great, he loves you. And when you fall flat on your face, he loves you. When you sin, he's running towards you. He loves you, not the future version. He loves you right here and right now. And Brad reminded me last week again, one of my greatest struggles is I don't believe it. I don't actually believe that God could love this mess with all the things done to us and all the things we've done, that God actually loves us. And my struggle, my heartache, my stress, my anxiety, many of it is found in this basic truth that I, I, I don't believe it. Because when I do, when I see it and understand it and believe it and exhale and rest in it, that's when I discover my peace and I discover my purpose. And I learned that this summer. It's not easy. These are not easy days. It's difficult. And yet maybe it's just the simple realization that God loves you. Well, let me, let me take a moment and draw you a picture. Are you ready? Picture time with Joe. So I think what happens in our lives is sort of simple. You know, we all want mountains. We all want mountaintop experiences. We want to be on the summit and see something, experience something beautiful, have this incredible opportunities or incredible vacations or incredible feelings. We all want mountaintop experiences, and we all avoid valleys, don't we? None of us want to go down into darkness. None of us want to struggle with temptation. None of us want to give in to sin. None of us want to deal with abuse. None of us want to deal with the sickness of a loved one. None of us want to ever hear hospice care. None of us want to deal with darkness and valleys. But we find ourselves at times on the top of a mountain and at times in the bottom of a valley. But what you learn over time is that most of life is lived here sort of in the flats, sort of where things are flat and not really changing, not a ton of ups and downs, but it's just sort of normal right here. There are boring days, days that there's nothing eventful, days we experience no great things, no bad things. We're just kind of in the plains. You know, this summer for me, and maybe you've experienced this too, I had some mountaintop experiences. Man, I had some moments with my brother and my mother this summer where in the middle of very hard medical decisions, we just laughed like idiots. And that's mountaintop experiences. There were times with my boys where we were on the beach or on a bike ride or well, I don't think we rode any bikes. We were in canoes. We were doing something together, playing golf. We, we had fun and we laughed. And those were mountaintop experiences. Man, there were days that it was dark when I was faced with my sin and looking at the failures as a husband, as a father. 
These were dark days. But in the main, I had a lot of days that were just sort of flat. What do you do? Whether you're on the mountain or whether you're in the valley or you're spending most days sort of just lumbering along in the middle, what do you do? when God is silent, when you might have a mountaintop experience or a valley experience where you're living in the middle and God is silent, what do you do? The Bible has a phrase that says over and over and over again. Are you ready? It's the righteous will live by faith. Whether you're on the top of a mountain, mountain or at the bottom of the valley or anywhere in between, the righteous will live by faith. Let me explain it. The word righteous means I have a right relationship with God. I see that I'm a sinner I recognize my shortcomings. I put my trust and faith in Jesus. He rescues me from my sins. He grants me eternal sonship into his family forever. He puts his spirit inside me. I'm his. And now my life is the righteous will live by faith. So whether I'm on the top of a mountain or in the bottom of the valley or just lumbering along somewhere here in the middle, how will I live? by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The righteous will live by faith, not by sight, because when I'm up here, I can see a lot, but I'm called to live by faith, not by sight. When I'm down here, I see, right? So the righteous will live by sight? No. As we head into... October and November of 2020, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, as we still endure a pandemic, as we head into election season, with all the chaos that's going on in our country right now, how will the son, the daughter, the man or woman who walks with Jesus live? By faith. Because when I look around, I don't see a lot of good stuff. When I walk up this mountain, I walk across this plain, when I go down the valley, wherever I find myself today, wherever you find yourself today, if you're gonna walk by sight, you're in trouble because everything I see is messy. If in October, November of 2020, you're gonna walk by feelings, man, my feelings will lead me up and down mountains and down into valleys and across plains many of which aren't even true or real, but I'll follow my compass of feelings? No, I'm not gonna follow my agenda, my politics, my economics, my career advancement plan. If you are a son or daughter of the king, the righteous, the son, the daughter of the king walks by faith, which is, God, I trust you. I might be on the top of a mountain. I might be at the bottom of the valley. Likely I'm just living somewhere here in the middle. But I'm gonna walk by faith, not by sight. And you're going to be faithful. You're gonna be gracious. You're gonna be good. And I know these are confusing times. I know it's hard to walk by faith when we're so sensory-oriented and our feeling compass is so real and our eyes and minds see so much chaos and difficulty and we have so many questions for the future and we wonder about this pandemic and we wonder about the election and we're anxious and we're afraid. 
Our compass is Jesus, and he wants us to follow him by faith. And so one of the things Pastor Brad and I are going to start this week is we're going to start in our Real Talk setting to share with you some perspective about walking by faith in the middle of this political world that we're dealing with. And so look for Real Talk this Wednesday coming out. If you don't get Real Talk, we'd love for you to go online and find it. Pastor Brad and I will be sharing some conversations about walking by faith in a political world. But I want to walk by faith with you, Faith Church. And I know that God will be faithful. The question is, will we be faithful to him? Would you pray with me? God, today I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, a lot of affection for my friends here at Faith Church, a lot of love and hope for what you want to do in and through us in the days ahead as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community. You are gracious and kind, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Today, more than anything else, would you help us to see your love, that you love everyone listening to my voice. It doesn't matter where they are, where they find themselves, what they feel. You love them. You made them. You want a relationship with them, with us. You have purposes for us and rest for us. The question will be, do we trust you? Not ourselves, not our government, not our circumstances. Do we trust you? I pray that each person within the sound of my voice would see and sense today that you are a God of love and a God of peace, and a God of strength. Yes, you convict of sin, but you forgive sin as well. Would you help us to see that and know that and walk with you by faith? Because as we walk with you, you will lead us. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.